Bringing Philly's next big thing to you. VegCast. I'm Vance, and this is VegCast 102. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. Yes, it really is a full menu this time, and I know I say that all the time, but listen, it's not every podcast where we're actually spending extra time, you know, full way going through a restaurant menu because it's that important and that is what we're going to be doing today on VegCast as we introduce the world to the wonders of Veg, the new restaurant from Rich Landau and Kate Jacoby of Horizons, which will be taking the Philadelphia dining scene by storm within just a few days of this podcast appearance. And we have, uh, we look at the menu with Rich and Kate. We walk through the space with Rich. We have much more. Uh, we have links for you. We have all kinds of information on veg. Uh, so that is going to take up the bulk of the show. We also have a quick witty ditty by Mike Kaplan who performed the song at the Carnivores Anonymous show. And we have a science fact about a, an international scientific body's recommendation on how to deal with an expanding human population topping 7 billion people. And I'll leave it to you to guess what that solution may be. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, and crank up that MP3 player as we deliver to you VegCast 102. Okay, we are going to jump right into our audio with Rich and Kate because we've got plenty of it to get to. Just want to say that uh, the walkthrough of the not yet open restaurant, uh, some of you may remember we did back when Horizons opened. And uh, I'll include a link to that if anyone's interested to compare and contrast. But uh, back then, I kept all of my content that I used on VegCast separate from anything I used in the Daily News. I also done the Daily News story. I put a link to that on VegCast. But here, we're doing a little more mixing and mingling now that V for Veg has gotten more established in the Daily News. Uh, so there is a little more cross-pollination, more stuff that you might hear or have heard uh, or seen or have seen uh, on the Daily News uh, write-up that I did of Veg. But at any rate, we are going to go right into uh, the second interview that I did, which will be followed after Mike's song by the first interview that I did, uh, the walkthrough. And uh, it's just a little bit comical as I start off this whole interview with two questions based on the premise that Veg is larger than Horizons, which Rich <laughs> quickly shoots down. All right. Well, let me ask you this. This is obviously going to seek more people than Horizons did. Not right? really. No? It will seat as much as Horizons did at capacity on the weekends. Now, on Are the you week- counting the sidewalk, too? No. On, on a, just the, on a weekend... Just the dining room and the... Well, keep in mind, Horizons downstairs. was a two-floor restaurant. When right. Horizons was open during the weeknights, it was a top floor only. That sat about 49 people. This, um, at capacity, Horizon sat on the weekends with both floors open, sat about 76. That's what okay. this restaurant will see. So every night we will have Horizons at capacity. Okay. Well, even if it's not uh, bigger, it occurs to me um, you're, you're trying to manage like a bunch of uh, kind of a three-ring circus here with all the different kinds of things, and the veg bar and uh, all that going on. And I'm wondering, are you, are you still going to be cooking every night are you and if so um with this new thing with the kind of egalitarian you know one plate is as good as as another attitude uh how are you going to choose which things you the horizon chef the veg chef have to work on and which you farm out to other people when you don't have an entree to say well i'll do the entree you guys do everything else that is the easiest and most pleasurable part of my job is deciding what to cook and when to cook and how much to cook and dividing up what comes out of what station and filling up all the refrigerators with all the necessary ingredients for each dish that comes out of 
you know, what station, the cold bar, the hot bar. I mean, that is, that's like a hobby. I, I'll do that for free for other restaurateurs. I love that. Um, <laughs> I, I can't wait to cook again. Um, I will be doing some expediting, but I'll also, I'll have my, uh, I'll definitely be behind the line cooking and I can't wait. Okay. I also want to say that in the in the past few years we have met so many really talented people and it's sort of changed our approach to what we want to do on a given night. If we take a little bit of a step back and sort of supervise and get our hands into everything rather than have our own station, we actually get to really oversee the quality of everything going on. Mm-hmm. Um, which has been fun and also really beneficial, I think. You know, you really get to have a, a bigger, broader picture of every night and the whole flow. And then I, for one, on the front of house side of things, have been able to really connect with customers a little bit more. I, in the past, I used to sort of jump behind the bar and do a bar shift, and I would get too busy. But I think the way we're setting ourselves up here is we have some really amazing people who have stuck with us and waited this thing out. And once we finally get open, um, they have learned so well firsthand from us what we want to do and how we want to do it, mm-hmm. and we're, we're all on the same page. So it, it should flow beautifully. Okay. Well, here's hoping it does. This does seem like a, a little bit of an expansion of the, the concept of Horizons anyway, even if, the, you know, if you put Horizons at its top potential capacity, that would match what you have here. It seems like you're you're going to hopefully do more traffic, uh, and make back all the money that you're sinking off from your lips to God's ears. Um, but you know, I was uh, reading the the Horizons article from the Daily News from 2006, yeah, and you had a quote there about how these organic vegan wineries were you were simpatico with them because they were like you. Staying small and focusing on quality. Is there a danger in, in going for such a, you know, a complex big project that the, the, the quality, people will say, it's just not the same. It's not the same Horizons quality. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, Rich and I talk a, a lot. I mean, we're very creative people. We like to keep evolving, and we don't want to stand still. It's what led us to, what led Rich to change things around so much in Willow Grove. It's what led us to move down here however many years ago that was, and it made us fancy to want to do something new. So I think we always have to keep changing. And, you know, as we said a minute ago, this is really like capacity on a Saturday. And what we've done is we've taken a little time out. Actually, we've been planning this a long time, how we wanted to do things slightly different, what we would tweak. We've taken this time out to really get it right in this space, and I feel like we're actually better organized now. And like I said, you know, if we're doing the seeing the bigger picture, I feel like people will get our personality and our... You know, fingerprints almost on things even more than they used to because I think sometimes we were so micromanaging and we were so involved in like a single detail, running errands, you know, doing everything. We're almost afraid a little bit some days. Uh, and I think that we're approaching this a little bit differently. We're growing up a little bit and uh, really, you know, doing things right. So okay. I, I feel like it's all, all good steps. Great. All right. Well, let me ask you. I had a question particularly for you because... You know, the, the headlines about veggies and the splash page on the website, a vegetable restaurant, it's all about the vegetables now, people complaining, oh, what is Satan doing, oh, what is Tofu doing there, but that's, there's definitely um, a little bit of a shift in the emphasis in, uh, you know, the, the dinner options. Um, I saw, you know, a lot of the same things that, I, that I've seen in Horizons in the dessert. Are you just basically keeping the dessert on par or did you like do something with any of them or introduce a dessert that was specifically you thought this is going to fit into the veg concept and it wouldn't have fit in as well with the horizons concept yeah rich and i eat out a lot and we read menus a lot and you know i i've definitely had some different inspirations in the past couple years a couple trips we took to la really made me sort of want to do some more playful things with the dessert menu um you know, it was tricky when I first started as pastry chef, all the desserts, I thought it would all be fruit, all fruit, you know. People right. don't want a vegan cheesecake, they want to have like a tar, you know, all kinds of stuff. And uh, But I realized, no, people did want the sort of, surprise, it's vegan, cheesecake, creme brulee, right. ice cream. So we got really good at doing that, at least I think we did, and it seems oh, yeah. like a lot of people agree. But, um, so we're not going to give up on any of that because it is really good. I think that the trick is to sort of... Uh, you know, put fruit and maybe some vegetables into a little bit more of a spotlight with the desserts. <laughs> um, maybe some vegetables. Maybe, so. we'll see. But, uh, 
yeah, we, we don't want to do anything too crazy. We want to transition. Carrot cake. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like the, the first dessert menu that we released, you know, it was a very much a comfort zone, but I think you can tell it was a little bit more playful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in our free time, we've actually been doing a lot of recipe testing. And every year, I think that our, you know, base recipes we use get better and better so I'm sure they do. and let me but tell you about this ice cream maker we have going on we're gonna have some killer ice cream so that's one way i want to get a little playful with our flavors and stuff so the most expensive that. piece of machinery I in the kitchen but when i was originally here you had just you were just getting that you can look at it but we're gonna have to charge it <laughs> <laughs> you didn't actually get a cotton candy machine well we did we did we're gonna send it back though okay it, it was not what we expected all right so that was my next question. Is it possible to make cotton candy without using white sugar? And oh, yeah. yeah. I actually have and a company that I already bought the sugar from, and it's oh. totally organic, totally vegan. It's kosher. Yeah. Uh, it's gluten-free, and it's amazing. I mean, the quality of the flavor that they're using, okay. which is all of those things, happens to be exceptional. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm going to be smaller machines because what we ended up getting was, like, basically for a giant fairground. <laughs> you know, Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair was like, yeah. here, take ours. And it's like, wow. It looked like the robot from Lost in Space. <laughs> yeah. It really did. Yeah. Okay. But that yeah. might might come back sometime in the future. But let's, Maybe a mini version. Yeah, we need uh, to find a smaller yeah. version. Yeah. Yeah. This thing was huge. Right. Yeah. Okay. I just want to ask both of you, I, I maybe I asked you this back in 2006, but do you see a, um, a particular role for what you're doing as, I mean, obviously you're feeding people, you're making people happy, you're giving them something to look forward to. Do you see your role as also kind of assisting in the, the trend toward uh, vegan eating or eating with compassion insofar as people have this excuse that they can say well no i can't you know i'd love to eat better and i'd love to not eat animals but i also love this and that and the other thing i'm too attached to it do you actually see yourself as as being in there to help break that well that i mean that's why we do this this is why we come to work every day to do this that's at the forefront of what we do but you know it's very tricky ground after that you have to be very careful and one of the reasons we're making a shift from vegan cuisine to vegetable cuisine it's not so much because it's going to be all vegetables. It's, I mean, it's 99% vegetables. But the main reason we're doing this is that vegan is a diet. Vegetables are food. We want to be about the food. The message will always be there underneath. But, you know, we're not going to have someone dressed up in a cow suit with a meat is murder sign on the sidewalk. And, you know, it's, listen, you know, the world is the way it is. And you have to lead by example. And you have to quietly go about your work. You have to do it well, and people will take notice. Um, we're not here to try to change anyone's life, but if we do influence or touch somebody indirectly, which because we of have. which uh, what we do, well, that indirect feedback—it's a wonderful thing for us because that is what brought us to to want to do this. Um, and you know, we did a lot of interviewing too, and that was one of the things I always tell people. I'm like, well, Rich and I first got interested in this for animal rights reasons, but on our daily basis, like this is our job is running a restaurant. So right. it's a wonderful thing for us. I mean, yeah. we feel so fulfilled so by the work we that we do. Uh, but whether people are, you know, working for us or eating here, whatever they're doing in, in their real like lifestyle and diet, we don't want to focus on that. We just want to make sure everybody's, you know, serving the good of the restaurant and making sure the food is getting out great. So it's, you know, we're, like Rich said, leading by example, we're demonstrating, demonstrating that it can be that easy. Right. Well, and, uh, huh, easy well, for you. <laughs> we get to do something we believe in, coupled with something that we love. Uh, we're chefs. We love food. We are absolutely all about the food. And just so happens there is a reason we do our food the way we do. Um, there's a reason there's no animal products in our food. You have on. You open the menu. Top thing on under plates: little leaves and herbs. Now, it seems a little provocative, right there, that you're just calling it little leaves and herbs. So what was going? Why did you intentionally put that as the first thing, like to smack people? In well, the face? it's it, it is the most uh, you know it is the entry level dish into the veg repertoire there. Okay. Um, but it actually, when you when you get into this dish, it is probably one of the more intricate things, <clears throat> because one of the more intricate things on the menu, because of the way we put it together. Now. Um, you'll see. You'll go to some places, and they have this big box of what they call spring mix or mescaline. Right. Sure. Um, you know, and they pull this big mix of leaves out of a box. Well, yeah. we don't touch anything like that here. We actually make our own mix of 
little leaves that come from the farms we work with up in Lan- Lancaster. Um, they could be uh, microgreens mixed with what we call mezzagreens, which are like a microgreen that's grown up a little bit in its okay. adolescence. Um, and then we use, you know, maybe, maybe there'll be some baby arugula in there and some baby white frisee. Um, but mostly um, just really exotic, beautiful little leaves. We were in a restaurant in New York <clears throat> about a year ago called Blue Hill. And, uh, you know, one of the things on the menu was uh, the first thing was a salad. It was, you know, they get all their vegetables from their salad upstate, uh, from, from their farm upstate. And we were just blown away by this thing. Now, you know, it's a salad, of course. You know, I love salads, but I don't, you know, I'm not in love with salads. I don't sit there and, you know, pick them apart and get into every single little. But this salad was something remarkable. Every bite you took, it was like tasting a fine wine. All these layers of flavors, all these different herbs and leaves that they use really inspired me to want to make our own signature salad mix. So you weren't just being a bunch of green. You're not going to taste the leaves. You're not going to taste chlorophyll. You're not going to be like, wow, I'm grazing. This is great. Look at me at the vegetable restaurant grazing. Wow. Isn't this remarkable? <laughs> um, this is, it's going to be an experience, this dish. And you know what I really love about it, it's not so much even the leaves, but it's um, the rutabaga and the smoked shiitake that we're pairing with it. Now, yeah. the rutabaga, which is just one of my favorite vegetables in the world, we slice it very thin and we roast it down in the oven with a touch of sherry vinegar, olive oil, fresh thyme, salt and pepper. After we take out these little sheets of rutabaga, we julienne them. And it just has the amazing texture of cheese. Hmm. And it's just awesome in the salad. Pickled with the, or, uh, paired with the smoked shiitake, you, you know, which has this almost bacon-like flavor, hmm. whatever that is. Yeah. Um, it's just the most remarkable play on textures and flavors. So it's really, uh, really awesome. Okay. To the naked eye, the next item, romaine, radish, cauliflower, avocado, roasted olives, uh, goddess dressing, I assume. Um, that sounds a little more conventional, but is it? Well, it, it is in a sense. It, it's, um, it's a safe dish. It definitely focuses on some safer and more familiar flavors. There's a couple unique elements in here, though. It really is more like a chopped salad. Um, we, by roasting our olives, it brings out this salty fruitiness in there. So it's kind of like eating this salty dried raisin. Most amazing texture in the salad. It's just delicious. Um, the cauliflower is actually shaved raw on top on a, on a box grater. Mm-hmm. And for all intents and purposes, it looks like cheese. And has yeah. the most incredible fresh crunch up there. Um, and, but, but the star of the salad, the real star is the goddess dressing. It's one of those lost arts of the sixties or seventies. It's a, it's a very West coast dressing that's made with all these different herbs, uh, usually chervil, tarragon, parsley. There's capers in that. Sometimes there's anchovies in it, fresh lemon juice, olive oil, mustard, and a little bit of mayo. And that's what ours is based on that West coast original, which we want to just have make a comeback because that is an amazing dressing. Okay, but you're, I assume you're not going to be, go so authentic that you either put anchovies in it or create some kind of faux anchovy just to, capers. to add. The Caper. capers are going to do it. Okay. Capers are uh, our anchovy substitute. Okay. Because for the, those who can't live without anchovies, it's capers. Yeah, great. Well, uh, what about the banh mi crostini? I don't remember, did you ever do banh mi at Horizons? Yeah, this is right off the uh, Horizons menu from about two years ago. This was a long-standing appetizer. We called it Vietnamese bruschetta there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, And it's the same dish. It's very close to the same dish. And it's like eating a banh mi in the form of like these little crostinis. Just delicious. Okay, well, I'm going to keep going here. I'm sure that I do not remember ever seeing a ramen bowl. You are wrong, sir. That was oh, on the menu on. for six months before we closed. It was. Yeah. <laughs> so it was there the, the last night that when we were there, it was that was on the menu. Ramen. I mean, who? Ramen is something that uh, you know starving college students will eat. Ah. Uh, and again, they don't have a net, you're gonna they're gonna come to veg and like pay through the nose to eat ramen. <laughs> and that's all we're doing. We're un, we undo the plastic and we just give them a little teapot of water. Um, but we're only charging 99 cents for it, which is very cool. Um, now, actually, for ramen, you know, this is, uh, this is very much inspired by two things. One, our trip to Japan, which literally changed our lives in the sense, uh, from a culinary sense and a cultural sense, really in seeing how they live over there. Just an amazing trip. We ate tons of um, noodles over there, and you really get to the heart of where all these Japanese-American dishes came from. You know, like, they say Chinese food is not the same in China that is in America. Right. 
very, very, very much true for Japanese food. It is not at all like it is in Japan. And we really fell in love with the noodles over there. Now, it is a kind of a cross-cultural dish in that we're combining ramen, which is a very, uh, you know, Japanese or sometimes Chinese thing, with uh, pho, right. which is a Vietnamese broth. And we just, you know, learn how to make a great pho broth, and they just go so good together. Now, we're adding some more um, Japanese elements in there. Menma is like pickled uh, bamboo shoot, and our grilled shiitakes, grilled scallions, cilantro is another element you see in pho. But one of the main reasons I like having this dish on the menu, we were at Mamafuku up in New York, and we had some, uh, they have a vegetarian noodle dish on the menu. And I'm eating it, and I'm like, wow, this sucks, but I could do this. <laughs> so we like our version. All right, great. Um, and I'm not even sure if I'm going to say this right, but Hanshimeji. 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 Is, now, you're going to tell me that I saw that on Horizons menu? I that, that was, that was, was pretty much... That was a soup on the Horizons menu, um, short-lived, because it was one of, one of the few dishes I was putting aside exclusively for veg. Oh, okay. And so it stayed on our menu for a month so I can play with it. Um, <laughs> okay. I, you, know, it, 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 you know, we had some guinea pigs there. Yeah? Some okay. vegan guinea pigs. All right. Um, Hanshimijis are also known as beach mushrooms, also known as clamshell mushrooms. These little tiny fairy tale like mushrooms that when you cook them with tomato and uh, vegetable broth and saffron and a little white wine and garlic... For all intents and purposes, you there might be a fish head in that soup. I mean, it's just okay. amazing, this kind of beautiful aroma of the sea they take on. And, uh, you know, every great beach culture has its seafood soup, whether it be bouillabaisse in, you know, France or, you know, anything coastal in European or in Brazil. Right. And that's what we're doing. We're celebrating beach culture with these very sea-like flavored mushrooms and enhancing them with our saffron and our potatoes, you know, like a, almost like a New England crab or a clam bake kind of thing. All right. I'm just going to ask you about one more, which is braccio. Uh, now, you may have had this, but I know I wouldn't have gotten it because as much as I love everything that I've ever had that you've made, I still can't bring myself to intentionally <laughs> order eggplant. Well, I know what but I'm sending you out first thing. You, I mean, <laughs> I made you at the James Beard house. You didn't have a choice there. So um, this is one of my all-time favorite dishes I have ever done in the 17-year history that I've been serving food to people. Okay. Um, I'm just in love with this dish. Number one, I do love eggplant, but you've got to cook it right. I mean, God, there's nothing worse in the world than improperly cooked eggplant. Exactly. And I don't blame anyone who hates eggplant who's had it cooked uh, poorly. Uh, fortunately, we know what we're doing, <laughs> so, this, which works to our advantage because we have a restaurant. Um, uh, what we do is we slice the eggplant really thin, paper thin, and we just give it a slight roast in the oven just so it turns translucent. It's not chewy. It's not white and gummy. and um, It just turns translucent. Then we stuff it with smoked eggplant and some ground-up cauliflower, and we wrap it up. You know, So what we, what's bracciole is it's meat wrapped around a filling, so we're right, just okay. using eggplant. And, you know, this dish also has a special meaning because this was a dish that w will be downsized from the Horizons menu into one of these medium-sized plates. And when I talk about the dishes at Horizons that, okay, we came up with this bracciole, it's delicious, it's got this Sicilian salsa verde on top, you know, uh, parsley, capers, lemon, olive oil, garlic, it's beautiful and it's great as is. But, you know, at Horizons, when you're stuck in the appetizer entree format, this was the classic dish where like, okay, well, how are we going to make this into an entree? Um, well, we had chickpeas. We added peas, you know, we had cherry tomatoes, and the dish was remarkable. I just loved it, um, but it was busier than it needed to be. So you're this, just trying to pump it up enough to... Exactly. To How do we make this an entree? entree? Yeah. And this is, this is where our inspiration is. We got to stop when this dish was done. Um, so, it, you know, it's really going to be just, it's going to be a one-note, you know, a simple brush stroke, the way mm -hmm. food should be. It's not going to be too busy. There won't be fried leek cages and sparklers and microgreens on top of it or okay. colorful oils, you know. Or <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Great. Well, are there any others that you think exemplify what you're what you're doing here, or the difference of, between veg and horizons that I should have? Yeah. The, the only other one that you have underlined, which I would definitely make a note of, is the garbanzo bordetto. Oh yeah. Uh, it's um, it's a play on a Greek fish dish. Uh, which is basically, um, it's what James Bond orders in uh, For Your Eyes Only. He goes to okay. Greece and he orders Bordetto. And I said, well, what the hell is that? So I Googled it and I did some research. And, you know, it's a, it's a casserole dish in Greece. It's very rustic. And uh, I've really never seen it on a menu anywhere. But 
If James Bond can eat it, so can we. So we're, we're going to do this with garbanzos. Uh, they're going to be cooked with tomato, white wine, peppers, onions, uh, mint, oregano, dill. And that flavor profile we've used before at Horizons and really enjoyed the way the, the dill and the mint and the oregano play together in a tomato-based sauce. Mm. It's just it's haunting almost the way they come together because the, the end effect is greater than you know, the, the parts of those, those herbs. And um, the, the, real, uh, the really cool part about this dish is the scordalia, which is one of my favorite things in the world. A scordalia is essentially uh, potatoes and sometimes bread, sometimes almonds, um, with olive oil and a touch of sherry vinegar made into a paste. It's a great dip. Hmm. And I love it because it usually has 10 cloves of garlic in there. And it just, <laughs> it just uh, it makes you healthy in the wintertime, which I is really it. nice. And we're going to make our scordalia with white beets instead of potatoes. So okay. it's going to be white beets and a little bread. And some olive oil, and it's just going to sing on top of that Greek-inspired stew underneath. Okay, I, you know, I knew that it would be a mistake to come and interview you right before supper time because now <laughs> I'm like starving. When I walked in here, I felt fine, but now uh, I guess I'm starving for veg to be open. So I hope that uh, that will happen soon. You and me both. But, uh, thanks for talking with me about it. It's my pleasure as usual. All right. Okay, we will return momentarily to our in-depth look at the soon-to-be-open veg in Philadelphia. I want to just point out there was an edit there where Kate Jacoby left to go uh, back upstairs to a wine tasting they were supposed to be at when we were doing this. Uh, I just cut right out of that. So if you wondered why she wasn't talking in that whole uh, last few minutes, that's why. But right now, uh, just to kind of break things up and as a counterpoint to a restaurant that is based so entirely on the concept of vegetables, we have this little ditty from Mike Kaplan. you don't like vegetables, that's all the more reason to eat them. Cause if you don't like vegetables, what better way is there to treat them? Then do rip them from the ground and chop them up with a really sharp knife. Then put them in a pot and cook them up until you boiled away. All of their life If you don't like vegetables I recommend that you do as I do Cause if you don't like those vegetables You can bet for sure that they're probably not too fond of you that is Mike Kaplan. You can find his tour schedule and info about his CD, Vegan Mind Melt, at www.myqkaplan.com. Uh, link will be in our show notes, of course. Also, make plans now to see him at the Peace Advocacy Network's Comedy Night here in Philly, Saturday, December 3rd, at the Taboo Lounge on South 12th Street. We'll have a link to that as well. But right now, let's get back into the veg space, walk through it with Rich, and find out what's going to happen where. Okay, we are now right on the premises of the future veg restaurant with Rich Landau. Rich, thanks for joining me here today for an audio tour. My pleasure. Thanks, And man. we're just going to take a walk through and talk about what the place kind of looks like now, what it's going to look like, how it's going to work, right? Is that That's right, yeah. Right here at the front door, I'm looking at uh, a very basic... Uh, skeleton of a bar with uh, some wood coming out into this room. Uh, it's got a fireplace behind it. It looks like this was just uh, a residential place that you, you're converting. Is that what it is? What's the deal? Well, kind of. I mean, this was the old Dosimene restaurant um, that was, you know, kind of Lebec Finn's poor cousin for years as a Philadelphia landmark. And it's an historic building. Um, so, you know, it does definitely have those kind of residential characteristics and we can't change most of those you know because wow. of, we have historical limitations wow. here so that's why there will be a fireplace behind the bar it won't be working <laughs> but the historical people felt it was important to keep that there even though it was behind the bar we're, we're, when we're looking for that next step you know ironically enough this building is owned by the judge who married us and her husband and they've wow. been we've been in touch with them for years about this building ever since they bought it about five years ago and they said, why don't you, you know, come open up a restaurant here? And we said, uh, no. 
And they asked again the next year. We said, uh, no. <laughs> so, you know, they've obviously, they've had a couple tenants that didn't quite finish the job in here. And, uh, you know, when we got this agreement for sale together with Horizons, you know, they approached us again. And it was just a very, a very timely meeting. And we took another tour with really open eyes. And we said, wow, I mean, there's so many great bones in this building, if you pardon the non-vegan pun there. There's just a great foundation of history, you know, the crown molding, which you can obviously see is going to be just beautiful. Mm-hmm. We say people pay a fortune to manufacture this, and here it is for real. This is, you know, well over 100 years old, right. and it's a historically registered building, and what we want to do is bring it up, keep all the historic elements, but bring it up to a modern and sleek feel, and kind of have them coexist. Okay. Well, so it is. I mean, that is something that I would think, for most people, that would be a very tall order, but you you have a history of taking on those things and making them work, so we'll, I will be interested to see how that goes. Now, we're right in the, we've come right in the, the door. You have a, a walk up off of the sidewalk. People come in here. There's the bar. Is there going to be a little bit of seating well, here? What's in the here. Well, well, what we have right here, there's going to be a host stand when you first walk in, and you know, wine racks behind it. Uh, this room is essentially reserved for the bar. It's a very big bar room. There should be about 12 to 14 seats behind this bar when all is said and done. Uh-huh. And we're going to do a killer happy hour program in here. That's one of the best parts about being in this part of town is that happy hours actually work in this part of town. And mm-hmm. we're really excited about that because we love our cocktail program. We think it's definitely underrated and undernoticed you know, with, with a lot of the uh, big boys around town. But we really feel like we can stand up on our own here. And um, we're really looking forward to that. So... And I assume that, like Horizons, that will continue the tradition of only vegan spirits, only vegan wines and beers. Absolutely. I mean, it's something that we're the trendsetter on that, the forerunner <laughs> of that, and now people are gradually, oh, there's such a thing as vegan wines and beers. Absolutely. There. there will be no liver-flavored schnapps of any kind here. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> um, so if you walk in this room over here now, we're going to walk around to the other front part of the building. Right. This room is... A room here that we're going to dedicate just to cocktails. Hmm. Now there'll be a very small bar menu available in this room, but we've decided not to do any service in this room because Kate and I just love cocktail culture. We're old school, you know. It, uh-huh. It's funny this dining scene these days. It's so casual. You sit down at this counter, and the you know chefs are cooking like three inches in front of you. You get a dish towel as a napkin, and the server comes up, you know, with a pierced nose and their <laughs> cut-off jeans and says, what can I get for you? Yeah. yeah I said, well, Kate and I are like, <laughs> what's happened to dining? What has happened to dining? I mean, we are, um, we really want to bring back an old-school element, and this room is going to be a great signature aspect of the building. Cocktails only, roaring fireplace in the wintertime. We're maybe considering a flat-screen TV in here. We're going to try it without, see what happens. I don't know. Um, yeah. And, but and so people could get stuff at the bar and then just wander in here and hang out. It's not exactly okay. Exactly. Well, you know there'll be seating in here and there'll be a cocktail yeah. server. And these, oh, there will be a cocktail server. So there will be okay. a cocktail server. So you sit in here, and I, I think the the, uh, the real kick-ass element here is going to be the fireplace in the winter time, which is just going to be wonderful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can just see by looking around at the woodwork, and it's got this kind of library vibe to it that we're going to make a little bit more sleek and. You know, and streamlined. Right. These beautiful old windows looking out to Locust Street here. People will be able to look in and see people sitting like they did maybe a hundred years ago in a nice chair sipping a beautiful cocktail. Right. So we'll see. They're equipped if people want to smoke. There's a place here where they can just take a puff and blow it right out there on the sidewalk and not worry about zoning issues or anything. So we'll see. And if the cocktail scene doesn't work, we're thinking maybe a bubble bounce room for kids while their parents <laughs> eat or ballroom like they have in Ikea. Something like that. Right. You always got to have a backup plan. <laughs> okay, so as we wander back through here. Yes, sir. We are... Going back past the bar now. Another fireplace the back at the of end the, of the bar room. All right. And the bar room itself, I think, is going to be absolutely beautiful. All glass shelves on the wall. Again, blending the old with the new together. And you've got a huge mirror... There on the wall as you come in, I assume that's staying. That is staying. Um, we all voted on that, and I uh, I was not a fan of that mirror. Kate loves it, so the mirror stays. Kate had the deciding <laughs> vote, <laughs> and it stays. What's your really nice mirror? What's just very there? I mean, I don't know. Is there a principle about mirrors in restaurants that you want to have them somewhere or not have them somewhere or anything? Something that made you say, you yeah, know, this mirror just. 
doesn't work as well as it should. What's, what was the... What, well, that's interesting. I felt like there should be, you know, mirrors on all these panels if you're going to do it. I mean, the yeah. one just stood out to me. Right. Um, obviously, I think at one point maybe there were mirrors on all these panels. So, I don't know. It just seemed like it was the only one, as big as it is. I thought it was just kind of an oddball. Right. But, um, you know what? It's going to look beautiful when it's done. It's yeah. going to be great. Okay. Okay, we're going to step up here into our first dining room. Um, this room is uh, probably the most classic of all of our rooms. The biggest fireplace in the building is right here. Um, it's going to seat about 20 here. This is going to be an intimate room. This is going to be your date night room. This is going to be where people want to sit over a long dinner, over candlelight, and have a great, long, classic, fine dining meal. Um, and we know there's definitely people uh, you know, in our client base that really want that in our restaurant. Some people want to come in for a quick bite and a drink. Right. A lot of people want to sit down and really have a long meal because you can't do that in Philadelphia right. in a vegan restaurant. This room is for them and it's going to be gorgeous with this big room fireplace, lots of woodwork going on in here. It's a very rich, very romantic, very cozy room. Right. Okay. okay. You're, let me just, uh, are you uh, painting over the wood here or what's... Well, no, this will be actually stained. This will be finished with a stain, kind of like this two-tone, okay. almost mahogany walnut. So that's got to get all sanded down first and everything. Yeah, right. a lot of sanding. <laughs> okay. Okay, now what we're going to do now is uh, mosey into our second dining room. Okay. This room now, we just went kind of diagonally. We went kind of across one room. Across so the room, we're saving the best for last. Okay. okay, I just want to make sure people know where we are here. <laughs> this is the, uh, we call this room the cove, because it's kind of a curved out uh, little room on, on the side of the building here. This is our second main dining room. This will seat about 25 people. There'll be booths in here. Uh -huh. um, one booth curved into this little window framed out section, and another booth along this wall. Two big tables in the middle, a small fireplace in this room. Uh -huh. I feel like every room we've seen so far is a fireplace, but that's it. Well... <laughs> And this room, this room is a little bit more open, a little bit more casual, but again, this is where, you know, people will really dine. This is where we'll sit down and, and have that, you know, long vegan dining experience meal. Okay, so now we're entering my favorite part of the building, and this is a, an element that we designed into it that we feel is going to be our signature item. Because it, well, it doesn't exist anywhere, so it's automatically I think you, you've got like four different signature items already. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the signature that's going to govern the other signatures. Okay. This is King's signature room. So this is our vegetable bar. This will be our vegetable bar. As you can uh -huh. see, we have a very framed out wall here. Uh -huh. um, the bar top in the bar room will be Carrera marble. This vegetable bar will also be Carrera marble. It will be um, book-ended on each uh, part of the room by two hutches that will also have Carrera marble top. This end will be for the servers with the POS system. That other end will be to put food up. And people will sit in tables that are going to come out from the vegetable bar like this, a long ways. So they won't actually be sitting there like sushi style. They'll be sitting on tables that come out and they'll be sitting on either side at bar height. And this is going to be the bustling casual room. On the walls will be filled with spice jars, pickles, olives, little pots of herbs. I mean, it's going to look like Martha Stewart and um, the Barefoot Contessa just got together one day and took a whole bunch of acid and went shopping at Williams-Sonoma. And that's what this room is going to look like. Okay. So it's really going to be just this giant open kitchen, and it's all cold. It's an all cold kitchen. All of our, you know, like our portobello carpaccio, the uh, roasted beets, anything cold. Vegan charcuterie, olives, pickles, any pasta, all coming out of this room. Salads, desserts, that kind of thing. That's cool. And completely open to be two or three people working back there. And um, the, the nice part is you can see it. As much as we do, you know, we walk through so many different little rooms, they are all kind of connected in a sense. Like right. And design-wise, there'll be a nice kind of cohesive design element through them. Yeah. Okay. So, on the other side, over here, I'm next to the alley now, this is all just going to be for servers or people going to be able to... This is for the cooks back here. Where you're standing is where everyone will be cooking. Okay, I'm going around this structure in the middle that will be the... The bar and then the tables will be coming out from here. Yeah, okay. Four top tables. So you'll have two people on either side of it. Right. And, uh, you know, this is a room we won't take any reservations for, for walk ins. And this is, again, a more casual room for, you know, sometimes people want to come in. Your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night crowd, they want a couple drinks and a couple plates. Right. And that's this is where they'll sit. Casual, you know, they don't have the big commitment of sitting down at a table. 
And uh, the room's just going to look beautiful when we're done. Nice high ceiling in here, lots of light from these huge windows. Mm-hmm. Looking out on the Camac Street. The world's oldest wooden street. And here I just, I called it an alley. I was uh, disrespectful. Sorry, Camac Street. Well, by modern standards, at. it is an alley. So. Right. Okay, sorry. I, I lost my, my sense of direction when I came in. And then back behind this will be a cutout in this wall, which they're doing tomorrow, I believe. And this is our hot kitchen. Okay. And our hot kitchens are going to be just a two-person, uh, you know, classic hot kitchen, but we're building it from scratch, as you can tell. We, everything's out, and the new equipment's coming in in uh, about two weeks, I believe. Um, brand new everything. And they will just, there will be like a two-by-four cutout in the wall there, so the kitchens will kind of be connected through this window. Uh-huh. And this will be where the food will come up right here in this big window in here. And so for the, the food runners for this restaurant, are you no longer making it uh, you know, a requirement that they have mountain climbing experience <laughs> because they're constantly having to go up and down those steep stairs? Well, <laughs> hey, we're going to have to buy them all gym memberships now. <laughs> it's funny, when we had uh, food runners come into Horizons, you slowly watch them, like, get, you know, they all start to get buff after a little while, and they turn into these athletes. You know, they come in with bags of old clothes, giving them away. It was amazing. <laughs> so, but here, I mean, we only need one food runner, obviously. The, yeah. the longest distance they're going to be traveling might be 50 feet. Yeah. Well, um, so the food's going to come up quick. We're going to be working on all kind of medium-sized plates. Whereas the concept in Horizons, like most classic restaurants, you come down, you order an appetizer, an entree, and dessert. Well, we're going to break out of that formula now because we want people to be able to experience a, a wider range of what we do. So the menu concept will be basically picking three plates from around the menu. They'll all be these medium-sized plates, you know, a little bit bigger than appetizers or appetizer size. Um, the price point will be, you know, if you pick all three plates, you'll be right in that price range where you would have been at Horizons had you right. had ordered appetizer entree. If you're eating casually, you can order two plates. If you're dining all night, you can order four or five plates. The point is, is that they're all medium, very approachable sizes. They're not going to be so much of a commitment like, how do I choose an entree? Once I get it, I'm stuck with it. It's a $19 commitment, and I <laughs> cannot make this decision. Right, well, now right. you don't have to. You just pick a few. And uh, Well, let me just ask you, are you, are you actually, uh, I mean, it was, an, it was enough that you went and redid, you know, fine dining uh, in a vegan paradigm and showed that, you know, what people think of as the necessary elements of that experience could be done completely vegan um, unless they thought that animal protein was a necessary element. But now it, it seems like you're taking on the entire institution of of how a meal is structured, like that you have a big central dish that has a, a, some big protein source in it and then everything else kind of orbits around that and now you're saying, no, you know what, We're, let's throw that overboard and just completely make it as this modular thing that everybody can mix and match and, you know, run into things that they wouldn't have necessarily expected. I mean, is that what you're going for or what's the Well, we're, we're trying to roll with the times. I mean, the dining scene has changed drastically. And, and like we just mentioned, Kate and I really, we're fine dining people. We love nothing better than to sit down at a white tablecloth with a bottle of great wine and just dine. We find ourselves more often than not these days doing tasting menus at restaurants. I'll call the chef. Mm-hmm. And I'll you know say hey this is who we are can you do us a vegan or vegetarian tasting menu, and sometimes we get amazing spectacular results. Sometimes you know we get decent results, but the point is we continue to taste you know what the restaurant's all about via these small smaller offerings because once you get stuck with a large plate in a vegan restaurant we find out there in the mainstream it's usually the vegetable plate or it's a risotto, or it's pasta. Right. And as much as we felt like our big plates really were unique and stood up, we wanted to make everything more approachable. Like, for instance, there's some people at Horizons that never tried our bracciole, or our, um, they never tried our hearts of palm cake because they would always order the grilled seitan or the Pacific Rim tofu. And that's fine. I mean, those two dishes are amazing, and they will make appearances on our menu in, you know, more kind of, in smaller, smaller portions. I want you to know... That when our family went there, the entire time we went to Horizons, it was a rule that at every meal that we were there, one of us had to volunteer not to get grilled seitan. <laughs> we couldn't ever all get grilled seitan because we had to have somebody get somebody else so that we could try it. And there were times when nobody got grilled seitan. I mean, well, there oh, may really? have been one okay. time when nobody did. But it was just, you know, we would sit down and then 
we'd be looking around like, who's going to oh, go you, be adventurous this time? Even you, though every time we tried something new, it was great. So it was just a little safe It was like, ah, oh, I got you. Well, I also think, you know, that, and there's another issue with this, and that's that a lot of people really misunderstood what we did. A lot of people think seitan and tofu are fake meat, which just drives me crazy. That, that just makes me nuts when someone calls seitan fake steak or tofu like mock meat. It's not. These products are, you know, they're ancient, you know that. I mean, they've been around forever. And, you know, we don't use boga burgers, with all due respect to boga burgers, we don't, we don't use the mock meat products in Horizons at all, nor will we ever use them here. We eat them at home, that's fine, but uh, we are into cooking with, you know, real whole ingredients here. So again, being more vegetable forward with our dishes and more approachable with the size of the plate, you know, someone might not want to walk in the door and say, well, gee, I want, I want a $20 carrot, you know, they're going <laughs> to, it's yeah. going to be, because uh, we are doing this, uh, we had a menu one time, it was a whole roasted carrot, it was a whole roasted organic, beautiful carrot. And we felt like we had to so completely overdressed the plate, you know, with our black bean feijoada and the cauliflower rice and the chimichurri and the, you know, and the sparklers and the flags and the, you know, <laughs> how are we going to make our price point with a carrot? Well, now yeah. we don't have to. Now we can serve the dish the way we really want to serve it at a much more approachable price, an approachable portion, and people are going to try it now. Right. So, again, wrong with the times of getting people to just come in and not be afraid to, like, order something. And if they do, well, it was just like an appetizer side. It wasn't your whole entree. It's not going to ruin the rest of your week if you didn't get what you want. <laughs> so. Well, you're not suggesting somebody would come in and order something at this restaurant, and then they would not be satisfied with it. Because that's not at all. No. not something that I ever heard of happening in Horizons. We were, we were probably one of the luckiest restaurants in town as far as uh, guest satisfaction, and yeah. I never took that for granted. I just think, uh, I think my point is that a lot of people never wanted to make the commitment to try new things because it was an entree size, right. like the hearts of palm cake or the, uh, we, the last uh, mushroom dish we have was a, basically a whole roasted maitake mushroom over a, a stew of fingerling potatoes and leek ash, which are cold roasted leeks. It was one of my favorite entrees we've ever done, yet a lot of people didn't order it because it is a commitment right. on a plate. Now, as a smaller portion they're going to be able to mix and match and get a whole bunch of different tastes of veg. So you may very well have a plate that is centered around a large mushroom, a plate that has a large, perhaps grilled uh, amount of seitan on it or different things. not like you're throwing all those things overboard. Oh, right? no, 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 no. No, I mean, well, listen, Horizons work for us. I mean, Horizons... You know, people said, oh, you had all these great reviews and you, you know, all that. Well, yeah, I mean, we're not messing with this too much. This is okay. a great concept. In fact, people who come here, once they sit down and taste our food, are going to say, well, I'll, nothing's really changed. It's, it's all I know how to do. I mean, I can't change how I cook. To cook excellent food. <laughs> right, I know. No, I have to say, I, it's the one place in town where I would get literally anything because I, you know, I just trusted that you would find a way to... To make it excellent, even beets. I hate beets, and when we were at the beard house and you oh, had a beet that, yeah. thing, I was like, oh, I got to try it because like Rich that, made it, uh, and it was. What else was did you that? Zucchini. You said you hated, but you tried it that <laughs> night. I remember that on that mushroom dish we did. So but that was great. So I'm sure that it will all will all be great. So yeah, I mean, we're we're happy about it. And again, the the food is going to taste the same. It's how I cook. It's how I've cooked for 17 years. It, it, it's not going to change. Um, and we're not doing any new techniques. We're not going to be doing molecular gastronomy, and you know we're not you know we're not going raw or macro or anything. It's going to be Horizons food. Right. We change just because it's time to change because you have to change and to you know to keep moving and keep sure. growing and keep you know waking up inspired each day. Science. Our science fact for BitchCast 102 is Solution to World Hunger, Eat Less Meat. New study urges. This is a write-up in the Winnipeg Free Press, and it begins a newly published blueprint for doubling the global food supply includes a key suggestion about how everyone can contribute to this increasingly pressing ambition. Eat Less Meat. 
The article uh, continues to explain that McGill University's Navin Ramankuti, one of the team leaders on the paper, estimates that simply dedicating prime cropland to growing food for humans rather than growing biofuels or feed for animals could spike the global output by nearly 50%. The study says that three-quarters of the world's agricultural land is devoted to raising livestock, either for grazing or for growing feed. And uh, one more point it makes. He said that scientists in his field rarely raised diet as an issue in the past because they didn't want to infringe on a person's right to choose. But Raman Kuti said fewer researchers are staying quiet on this subject, particularly when the consequences have global environmental impacts. The research also calls for improved crop management to increase yields and end deforestation to make way for farmland and a cutback on food waste, which which accounts for as much as half of the planetary food production. Uh, And so, of course, even those last point, those last bullet points all connect in with animal agriculture as well. And uh, the kind of broken food system that we have, I'm not going to go on about that, but it is something that, as the article makes clear, it's uh, the taboo against telling people there are actual moral implications of what they choose to eat. Uh, Hopefully that's the start of a new trend of honesty, uh, candor, and transparency in the scientific community, and we will hope to see more of that when we do see it. We will be sure to bring it to you right here on the... Science Fact. Okay, that's enough science, and that's enough veg, and that's enough Mike Kaplan. Uh, We're about out of here. I just want to remind you, uh, if you're in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia premiere of the movie Vegucated will be November 10th. We'll have a link in the show notes. Please check that out, but for now, VegCast is out of here. Okay, that is VegCast 102. I want to thank my guests, Rich Landau and Kate Jacoby, for taking so much time out uh, from the preparation of Veg Restaurant Talk with me about it. I'm hoping that that time out didn't uh, make it take even longer to open, but we'll find out about that very soon. Uh, We'll be looking forward to that. I also want to thank Mike Kaplan for giving me permission to play I Hate Vegetables. And I want to thank you, the VegCast listener, Uh, Be sure to subscribe and uh, find us at iTunes until November. I want you to get out there and live like you mean it.